Rational discussion, common sense, open debate. RCR, Reality Check Radio with Paul Brennan. It's Wednesday morning, April 5th, Reality Check Radio with Paul Brennan. Good morning. Great to be here. You know, some things make me mad as hell. In September 2022, the unvaccinated caregivers sought a judicial review of the mandate, saying the mandates on family members who provided care for their own children demonstrated the irrationality and nastiness of the government's approach. The workers, who mostly look after family members they live with, had their payments cut because they were not vaccinated against COVID-19. And although mandates were removed in September 2022, the group believed what had happened to them was unlawful. So what is the outcome of that judicial review and where does that leave the affected caregivers and their families now? Soon we'll hear from senior solicitor at Frontline Law, Ali Miller, who's handled the case. But first, lead plaintiff Jen Wright with her story. So I guess what made me, like you, Paul, angry Mm -hmm. um, was that I was living with my child um, who needs uh, a certain amount of hours of care. Let's just call it um, 60 hours care a week. Um, so there's 168 hours in a week. So for 108 of those hours, I was perfectly safe to be his mother, unpaid. But for the other 60 hours, I could not be his carer, paid, because I wasn't vaccinated. So I'm spending, you know, more than 50% of that time being his mum, and it didn't matter whether I was vaccinated or not, but they withheld my income for the other part of the time that I was spending with him. Um, And I'm the same risk both times. That's insane. It just made no sense. It's more more than that. It's just insane, actually. Uh, It's crazy. It makes no sense. All right. So that very clearly explains the situation. What what do you then – I mean, we know how it's the outcome recently, and and Ali will go through that. But So how do you go about, when you're faced with that, trying to persuade whoever it is who writes the checks in the end that this, as you've just laid it out to any normal thinking person, is crazy, it's insane, doesn't make any sense, what the hell are you doing? So what did you go to them with and what was the response? Well, initially, um, the people who employed me were just as confused as Oh, sorry, who were they? Who employed you? I'm not sure that I will mention them. <laughs> okay, but someone employed you, like an agency, yes, something some, like that? Yeah. someone employed me, yeah. And they couldn't understand it either. So um, I read through the whole um, act and I decided that it would be a good idea to apply for um, exemptions under disruption to supply chain. Um, and our employers thought that that was a really good idea too because as carers, we are their supply chain. And without that, the work cannot be carried out to care for these disabled um, children or husbands and wives or grandkids. Hmm. So um, they filled out the exemptions for us and every single checkbox was checked appropriately to say that everything was low risk except for the risk to the child because removing me as the carer then put that child at high risk. 
um, because you would have to have an outside person come in to your bubble, which you are supposed to keep small, um, and put the child at risk. So we did that, and um, we they they put you know in the tens of exemptions through for us, and we all got the same blanket response to say no. It's not good enough. You've got to get vaccinated or you'll lose your job. So they weren't interested in hearing any logical so or reasonable wrote, argument. They just wanted you vaccinated. That was their mission, was it? That is correct. And we've since proved that um, under the Official Information Act request that I did, it showed that they were looking for a vaccinated workforce. That was their reason for including us. Regardless of the connections to between carers and and the people they're caring for, which in many cases direct family members. Yeah, I tell Correct. you. Yeah, okay. Do we know who these individuals are? Because I'm a bit over they, actually. They. Who are these people? I mean, let's can we name some names? Who who is who's the a-hole stopping you from from doing this? I mean, I want to know the names now, actually. At the time, um, it was your now current Prime Minister. Ah, why um, am I not surprised? Yeah. <laughs> so, he, so, um, so we need to, people need to know this. This guy was prepared to throw families under a bus, and now he's the Prime Minister. Correct. Wow. Wow, we. How does that make you feel? When you see him up there, he can't even say what a woman is. This guy, by the way, now, how do you? What, what do you feel when you see this guy? Um, my feelings change all the time, and they change day to day. I was really, really angry for a long time. I was just really angry. Um, some days I feel sorry for him. Um, I don't think he has a backbone, um, but mostly angry. Just the, the, the complete disregard for the impact to families. And some people might say, oh, well, you just could go and get another job. Well, in some cases, maybe you could. But where does that leave the child or the husband or wife or grandchild that needs caring for? So you took away the income, but I couldn't replace it because I've still got to care for my child. Well, it's anti-family. It's anti-relationship. Yeah. It's actually the opposite of love. Yeah. That's hard to take. Didn't feel kind at all. No, now he's the prime minister. Sorry, I'm, <laughs> this is blowing me away. I know, yeah. I just simmered down on that one a bit. Okay, so it's been a struggle session because that's, that's quite a time ago now. So how did you get through... Yeah. First of all, how'd you cope with that? And then how did, and we'll get to, you know, the, the legal stuff in just a moment. But how'd you cope with that through that time? Um, I guess fighting. Yeah. <laughs> when, um, when you've experienced a trauma or something that has um, affected your family, like having a disabled child does, um, yeah, that's You're enough. Kind of eh? a, that's enough to deal yeah. with right there. Eh? Yeah. Jeez. You're pretty much in fight mode all the time. 
and I don't actually know how. I can't actually answer how. I think just um, that appearance love is the feel to do the impossible, I guess. You just find it somewhere because there isn't any other way. Mm. But I felt pretty lonely um, and um, really judged as well. Um, Tell yeah. me about the judgment. How did that come through? I mean, obviously, the way you were dealt with was incredibly judgy. But what about people around you? I mean, what sort of support did you get? Because any right-thinking person would know this is insane, it's unjust, it's immoral, actually. Yeah. Um, it would, yeah. People reacted in different ways. Um, some people just sort of said, oh, yeah, well, you know, your choice, and then distanced themselves. Um some people were really supportive and said, you know, I do, I think that's ridiculous. Um, but then there were um, some people who perhaps weren't as kind um, and maybe even suggested that I wasn't being a good mum by not protecting my child or myself. Um, and that was hard because for, at the time, six years, I'd done nothing but worked hard to protect my child and give him the life that he deserves. Turns out you were right too, by the way, okay? There's just yeah. that little, little detail. You were right. Yeah. They were wrong, okay? Um, but, yeah, there were people who had once praised me for my strength and my courage and for the dedication to my children. And um, somehow they were brainwashed in a very short amount of time into thinking that I was now a bad parent and not doing everything I could. For yeah, so life. where does that brain, because, again, trying to find out who the culprits are here, so that brainwashing effect, that came from where? Mm. Obviously it came from the media, it came from the government, came from Chippy, as it turns out. How, how yeah. do you explain, because you've lived through it, and I always, yeah. I'm interested in hearing this from people. How do you explain that process and how people were so easily, yeah, brainwashed? It didn't take long, did it? No, I think it was the fear campaign. Um, and I do think that some people were genuinely afraid um, and that some of their reactions did come from a place of fear. Um, and I don't 100% blame those people for their reactions because the, the fear was everywhere. It was in, It was when you went to the supermarket. It was when you listened to the radio, when you looked on Facebook, when you turned on the TV. It was just um, fear everywhere. Um, and I know what it's like to live um, with fear because I you know, have a compromised child that um, – I have been afraid um, that he would, you know, die or that um, he would get really sick. I understand what fear can do, um, so I don't, um, I don't hate those people, and I kind of understand maybe yeah, where yeah, they're coming weak, from. Right? But they were lied to. They were weak. Let's you know? face it. Let's let's be honest. They were weak. <sighs> weak of mind, Strong. easily <laughs> easily scared. Right. I mean, let's yeah. just call it out for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Unfortunate, but but true. 
okay? But you had the strength to push back against that. Some days. <laughs> Some days I just sat at home and cried. Yeah. Um, but I, I, yeah, other days I felt strong. Um, but do you have good family day. support? How did the family kick in? I mean, because uh, even in my family, I've had issues with family members. It's been tense, mm. tough. What about you? Um, my family was wonderful, actually. Um, we're, we're very mixed on our um, views on vaccination. Um, well, this particular um, COVID jab, mm. um, but we've managed to love each other and respect each other. And nobody said, don't come to my house or don't come to Christmas. We spent Christmas together. Um, I have been one of the lucky ones, actually. Um, but certainly some of the other um, brave women who uh, were on this case with me um, have not experienced the same as me. Well, mm. yeah, it's been tough for them, eh? Yeah, very tough. Yeah. Okay, Ali Miller, um, let's talk about the case. So where did you come into this and, and what was the whole the thesis of, of the case that, that, that or, or, or action that you took? Sure. So I think it was uh, mid-2022 that uh, I received a call from Jen. Mm. Um, and from that point, I knew that there was a pretty strong case for a, a judicial review of the minister's decision. Um, Christopher so Hopkins, the, right? Let's just be clear. That's the minister we're talking about. Now Prime Minister. Yes. Always want to keep was, that name front and centre. All right. <laughs> he was the, the Minister for COVID-19 response yeah. at the time. Um, so the first thing that we did was write a letter to the then Minister for COVID-19 response, um, Dr Ayesha Verrill, and asked them to review and revoke the amendment. Hmm. Um, so we received a acknowledgement to that email, uh, but we did not receive a response. And so it was at that point that we then took proceedings uh, in the High Court for a judicial review. And so then we initiated proceedings. Uh, it was at that point that the Crown, to their credit, did start to engage with us. Uh, and we continued in negotiations about a declaration uh, and the reason for that is that if we went to a hearing, uh, that is the remedy we would be seeking, a declaration that the amendment was unlawful. Mm. Uh, and so that is ultimately what we achieved uh, in discussions with the Crown. They admitted uh, through actually the OIA that Jen did, uh, that the minister did not have public health advice before him. And so, therefore, wait on, wait on. You would assume that a decision like that from someone who's only <clears throat> ever been a student activist um, would require some sort of public health advice to make an accurate, well informed decision that wasn't there. That's correct. Uh, and so, that was why the Crown conceded that the Minister did not have all relevant information for him to be able to make the decision that he did. So he made that decision on the basis, what, of... Uh, was that a political decision then? How would there you describe that decision reasons. if he doesn't have the right advice? 
unlawful. Yeah, well, I can't um, use that. <laughs> but he wouldn't seek um, out to do something unlawful. I, I, I surely would have thought that he, he was on reasonable ground. But if he doesn't have the public health advice to inform his decision, was he making it up? Something he learned when he was a kid in the hut? I don't know. Look, I think that there was just a real lack of care when this decision was made. Uh, right. The right processes were not gone through. Um, I don't think that the the minister considered the implications. Uh, and there were two reasons that they made the decision they did or said that they made that decision. And one was consistency with uh, previous family carers litigation, uh, which sought to treat family carers the same as other care and support workers. Uh, and the second was continuity uh, of having a workforce that was fully vaccinated. Right. So it was really the vaccination thing, wasn't it? I mean, that's really where everything was pointing then. So they wanted the jabs in the arms of people like you, Jen. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and they're prepared to to starve you of money to do it. I think it's important to also point, point out that the prior uh, public health advice, um, so that had had actually said that we were not at risk. So the previous advice said we're not at risk, and then they didn't seek new advice and put us in the audit anyway. So to me, um, I think Ellie's maybe being a little bit kind in saying that um, I don't think he, that there wasn't much care um, or that he didn't put, um, you know, understand the repercussions um, because he didn't, he, he just, there, there was no care. It was just numb. There was no thought for the lives that he was potentially, I wouldn't say ruining because my life isn't ruined. I actually have a better life now than I did then. Um, but he was making it difficult, harder than it needed to be. Yeah, there's got to be some sort of explanation for that. Remember, he was also managing the relationship with Pfizer, ultimately. He was mm -hmm. the one who, who 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 was quoted. I saw him in the news when the uh, per dose uh, amount was released of thirty six dollars per dose. His only concern was that Pfizer might be angry. Mm. So there's all these layers, right? I guess is yeah what I'm saying. And 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 that attitude, I don't think many Kiwis, right minded Kiwis, could ever forgive that. Actually, well, maybe they could forgive being nice souls, but to be so mean. Mm. You know. We had also, um, going back to the exemptions that my employer had um, had sent in for a number of us, um, when they responded with that blanket no and their reasons for it, I then um, wrote a response for my employers and um, they sent that direct to the minister's office and that had a lot more detail as to what they would be doing if they removed us, you know, removed our wages or removed us, stopped us from caring for our children, um, and they just got no response. 
So he definitely had, you know, been sent, whether he viewed it or not, he had been sent information um, that would tell him, the that told him the impact that it would have. And um, it was just radio silence. In your dealings, Ali, with the, uh, you know, the appropriate departments and authorities in this case, did you get the impression that they were sheepish, that they knew that it wasn't good and, and that they were sort of, um, they, they, they were forward in, in, in trying to resolve this thing because of that? Well, I think one factor in this that is important is that there was actually a decision in the employment court that occurred in July in 2022. And that was based on an individual uh, in a similar situation to Jen. Um, and the court there found that the interpretation didn't apply, the definition didn't apply uh, to that person. Uh, but because it was an employment claim, uh, there were a lot of people who were also affected that that decision didn't affect. And so the Crown, though, they looked at that decision and said, oh, we agree with the employment court and that actually care and support workers providing services to a family member at their place of residence uh, were not captured by the order. Right. And so the legalities were a little unclear for a while uh, and the Crown were, I would say, hiding behind that, that decision. Okay. Right. And then when we engaged with them and outlined the basis of the judicial review that we were taking, that is when they then realised the legal liability uh, and the engagement began. Right. So you had to take them to that point and then it's kind of hands up in a way. <laughs> yes, yeah. All right. So so what does this all mean now? What's what's the outcome of all, all of this? I mean, obviously there's there's money that's that's been missed. I mean, there's that. Does that come back? Um, how, how does it all pan out now? What's going to happen? The Crown have indicated that they are working on a resolution. Uh, that is out of our ha hands in some respects, although there are other legal courses of actions that people can take if they have been affected. So if someone listening has been affected by this, uh, they are welcome to get in touch with us at Frontline Law, yep. and they can do that by going to our website, which is www.frontlinelaw.co.nz. How many are out there, do you think, potentially? Hundreds. Really? Yeah. Yeah, how, hundreds. How, how much do they owe you? <laughs> Uh, they owe me somewhere, somewhere north of forty thousand. Right. Um, but uh, they owe some of the others in this case a lot more than that. For me, if I'm being honest, it was actually never about the money. Mm. Um, I just wanted them held accountable. I wanted people to know. This is what your now Prime Minister did to my family 
and hundreds of others and it was wrong and it was careless and the money's a bonus really <laughs> but I don't actually trust that that they'll come to the party so really? um no I, I, I'm not and it was just someone's words isn't it saying oh look we're looking at it we're and I don't 100% trust that um that that will happen um so I do think that if anybody is owed um, that they really should get in touch with Ali and the team at Frontline Law. There is a path to be taken, um, and you'll be in great hands with them. And how long do you think it'll take, Ali, to, to work through all of this? And they're not slow walking you, are they? Well, for some context, uh, it would be an employment claim that people would have available to them. And so there is a statutory time frame to raise that with the appropriate parties, um, right. which is actually until 8th of June. Mm -hmm. So it depends on people getting in touch with us um, and then the responses from the government and also the employers. Uh, so hopefully these things can be are resolved sooner rather than later, but it really depends on those responses uh, as to whether we need to then move forward to proceedings. And if people want to get in contact with you, Ali, what's the best way? Through our website. Uh, we do have a, a sort of a contact inquiry form there, uh, and we receive those and can contact people as soon as we hear from them. And what's give us the address quickly. www www.frontlinelaw.co.nz Ali Miller from Frontline Law, thank you for giving us some time and explaining that. And Jean Wright, um, thank you for telling us your story. And, um, you know, it's so sad to hear how you've been treated. You're one of many, actually, that have been treated so badly. And this is why we need to clean this up once and for all. And hopefully yeah. someone who knows Chippy can tell yeah. them that we've been talking about them and we're not, we're a bit grumpy. We're not very happy. Yeah. Um, I hope, I hope your family is doing well. I hope your child is doing well and um, all the best for the future. And we'll keep an eye on what, what happens with this case. All right. Thanks for having us, Paul. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.